So what I do is I teach people how to get in touch with their soul and make decisions from their soul, not their head. Because when you make a decision from your soul, it's the right decision 100% of the time. And now. I'm the captain now. Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sitting off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for being here. And I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 179 of the Chris and Christine Show. Dun-dun-dun-dun! 179 official episodes on this very podcast. Can you believe that, babe? Um, No, I really can't. I was thinking about that and I was wondering, are we going to do anything special for 200? Uh, we got, Well, we, I think we should. I think, you know... Possibly, yeah. I mean, it's a milestone, right? I think every podcast we do is a milestone, if you ask me. Oh my gosh, drama much over here. Dun, da, da. Well, we made it to 179. We're still alive. And um, yeah, so happy January. Yes, happy January 2024. How's your January been so far? Well, it's not been dry, that's for sure. You know, it did rain <laughs> recently. And, I, I wasn't uh, talking about that kind of rain. I was talking about... People do dry January like no drinking dry January. What blew my mind? Are you kidding me? I had no idea it was even a thing. Seriously? Dry January. That's what I was saying. It's not been dry. No, I've been uh, enjoying uh adult cocktail or two on the weekends for sure. I wonder if we get a good deal on them now because everybody is like trying to do this dry January. So it's like, hey, we're giving stuff away for free because no one's buying it. You know, I wonder if that's why some of the restaurants have been quieter in the evenings is people not drinking as much. Do you think that dry January has any bearing on like how many people go out to eat in the evenings? That or it could be the fact that you dropped a ton of money during the holiday season. Could be. Christmas presents and just decorating and the parties and the gifts and all that stuff that when January comes around, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to take it easy. We're just going to mellow our way into the, uh, into the new year. And then eventually you got to get into what's the next big holiday? Probably Valentine's Day. Well, not for you. You never do anything for it. Hey, you know what? <laughs> hey, hey, listen, fellows, you got the tip of the day. What you got to do is every, before every, uh, say, say a holiday season. So sometime around Thanksgiving, you got to break up with your girl. <gasps> And then you're married. Ride it all. I'm not saying me. I'm just telling the fellows what they got to yeah, do. And I'm telling you, you and don't they, do anything for Valentine's Day. So well, you, you just in your ride, head. You got to ride it all the way out until March. And then you're free and clear because between March and uh, Thanksgiving, you're good. There, oh my gosh. Maybe a birthday one or two. You got to throw it in there. Other than <laughs> that, you're golden. The worst relationship advice ever. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so it's so funny. I was watching this video on, uh, I think it was Instagram today. Maybe, no, you know, it was Facebook. And it was this comedian that was performing at the Laugh, Laugh Factory. And he's like, you know how they do crowd work and things like that. And he says to this guy sitting in the front row with his girl, he's like, oh, hey, how long have you two been together? And he goes, um, a year, a little over a year. And he goes, do you love her? And the guy says, I'm going to need another drink before I answer that. Oh, man. And the girl just kind of looks at him and the the comedian would not let it go. And he was like, that's gold right what? there. He's like, you need another drink before you can tell me. He's like, it's a simple question. It's a yes or no. It's a I love her or I don't love her, but not a 
uh, you know, let me act cool and get another drink. Like you're just acting like a guy, not like a man. And so then, you know, he starts working the rest of the crowd and he's like, you know, you right there. Uh, how long you been with your wife or your woman? He was like, uh, 18 months. He's like, you love her? And he's like, I love her. So that everybody got in on it. And it was so bad. Like the, the guy, the comedian throughout the show, like kept circling back to this woman and this guy. The guy ended up dumping her in the middle of the show and walking no out. Way. Yeah. It was so bad. But then she was like left there and the comedian's like, all right, uh, single brothers, you've got an invitation right here. Uh, nice. Ladies, all of my ladies walk her to her car after this. So, oh, wow. But anyways, you just you know, made me think about that. With, well, it's like know, the Jumbotron. Ever seen those when the kissy, kiss, kiss cam? cams? Right. Oh. And then you'll see the one where they're on the couple and it's like your awkward first date, perhaps. Maybe you don't even know if they even like each other. And it's on them and you're, and you're like, everyone's focusing on them. And the girl's like, ah awkwardly looking and the guy's like yeah and i don't know maybe we should maybe we shouldn't i don't know and then just hoping yeah. the camera goes somewhere else like come on camera and then guy. they come back to him three times i've seen some uh where they're a couple well they appear to be couples like that and then one of them pulls out a sign that says he's my brother uh, no <laughs> yeah. way i bet in alabama that goes over very well <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, well, if you hear any extra noise in the studio today, it's because sitting on my lap is none other than everybody's favorite. She is a crowd pleaser for sure. Clover, the podcasting puppy. Yes, she is chilling right now, which is surprisingly because just a minute ago, she was chasing a rubber ball around the studio here. Barking her head off. Oh, my goodness. Barking at the ball. In fact, as I mentioned it, she's looking around right now for that ball. She's like, where is that thing? Where did I put it last? Because that's my favorite little toy. And uh, she's been great, you know, and Clover, we love her so much. She is a great little joy of bundle of love for the family. She definitely is. And you know what? This is her first episode that she's been a guest on in 2024. So Clover, how was your new year? How was your Christmas? Was it pretty good? Well, let me translate for her. She just said, she said, I got all kinds of good goodies. My mom makes a great stocking and it's wonderful. And I love her so much. Although dad's my favorite, but uh, I, I love mom too. What is that voice? She doesn't act like that. That's your like. But I love her too. That's your creepy Mickey Mouse voice. Oh, don't even get me started. Babe. Don't even get me started. In fact, I was actually talking on Instagram to a another podcaster. I, I came across, they were doing like a Disney themed podcast. In fact, I found out they haven't done an episode in like a year. So it's like, whatever. But I did position to them saying, hey, if you need somebody to come on your podcast as a guest who can do a great Mickey Mouse impression, I'm your guy. So it's self-proclaimed great impression. Nobody at Disney has ever told you that that's a great impression. Uh, except they? Mickey Mouse has. Oh, okay. Well, you know, maybe that's I your... I gave Mickey Mouse himself an impression of himself and he was... Thoroughly impressed, and uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. I'm fantastic, and I just said that. Hey, if you need a guest on there, especially a Disney themed show, I follow a lot of these Disney like Instagram accounts mm -hmm. on uh, social media. I don't know what it is, but I like the people that go to Disneyland and they give great tips on like the ride lines and the different places. Mm -hmm. to, like just as today, I saw a guy that had. The top three places are best places to take a nap at Disneyland. Oh, my goodness. And it was like, obviously, the train ride was was one. I think. Oh, I've done that. And the Lincoln, like, 
talking. Oh, man- I've done that one too. <gasps> okay. So funny story, like funny and sad story. I was chaperoning grad night one year. And if you don't know what grad night is here in California, um, a lot of the schools um, for their seniors will take them on a senior trip to Disney. Disney stays open from like, oh, like 10 p.m. to 6 or 7 a.m. or something like that just for the seniors. They've changed it now to where it's during the day, but it used to be all night long. And it would be like um, dance clubs and all kinds of really fun things. And of course, rides are open, but they have all these different areas where it's like dancing. And uh, it's crazy because you start to like right around like three or four o'clock in the morning, uh, you start walking to like the area up by Space Mountain where they have the cafes and they have like seating for food which none of those things are really open at that time of night for the kids. And um, all you see are just kids sleeping everywhere. Oh, no way, so bet, yeah. Right. But one time we had this emergency with one of our students and I was looking everywhere for our assistant principal because one of our kids was being taken by ambulance and I couldn't find him anywhere. They found him fast asleep in that Lincoln theater completely. Like his, his phone had died. He slept, they had a movie playing um, and because it was for chaperones in there. They had like specific areas for chaperones to hang out and nobody could get a hold of him for like two hours. He slept through the whole incident. It was crazy. No way. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah but uh, you do a pretty good Mickey Mouse impression, but uh, oh let's, I was just going to say, let's not bring it on to this episode. Why not? It's, because it's annoying. Clover likes it. Don't you, Clover? Look at, look at me like right now. Who's that? Yeah. Who is that? Well, you know, we've had an, uh, it's been, it's been a week around our household. It's definitely been, you know, I'm glad that Clover's sitting here with me because it's been a rocky week for us. Just lots of hard stuff has been happening and. Well, do you want to talk about these hard things or do you want to just kind of like tease them? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, and you're going to hear Clover jump down. She's starting to get excited, but, um. On Thursday of this week, our next door neighbor who had become a friend of mine unexpectedly passed away and it was just a pretty tragic situation. And so, you know, that's been uh, hard to deal with. And then last night, um, you know, you and I, we've, we've been really one of our commitments to each other this year is trying to get out for date night now that the kids are getting older Jacob's turning 14 uh, this week and Zeke's turning 19 this week. Uh, they're old, the little ones are old enough to stay at home for dinner, just the two of them. And so you and I finally went to a date night and uh, we literally get out of our Uber to go up for our reservation. We get a panicked call from Mason who says he's, you know, in excruciating stomach pain and, so, you know, we were helping Jacob just get him some medicine and see if he could, you know, just calm down and thought, you know, troubleshooting is it because he needs food or all of these things. So, you know, we ate our dinner quick and got right back home and ended up in the ER all last night with Mason because it ends up that we thought that his appendix was going to rupture. And, and you did think the nurses that were there thought this very same thing. That's what they're right. saying, right? I mean, so all of the tests, we finally came home after 1 a.m. and the tests were all 
inconclusive, uh, but he was stable and feeling a little bit better. So they told us to bring him home so he can rest and watch him. And he's completely fine today. No pain or anything. But the craziest thing happened. We were driving home. I'm always super careful when I'm driving at night. And we were about four exits away from home. And uh, we were just, you know, just driving along. And all of a sudden, I was in the slow lane. All of a sudden on the left-hand side, a California Highway Patrol officer just zoomed by me, cut me off and slammed on his brakes right in front of me. Like we were within less than 15 feet of rear-ending him and like came to a halt. And I was like, what the heck? So I stopped my car, pulled over to the side really fast because I only had a little bit of space and put my flashers on like what is happening. And only then did I see just not even 15 feet in front of the, maybe 20 feet in front of the CHP officer's car, no exaggeration, literally, was an SUV flipped upside down, completely blacked out. It just happened. It hit the guardrail and literally that officer saved Mason's in my life because it was, you know, you've talked about before when you're driving the big truck and then all of a sudden like you're driving and out of nowhere, you see a a car that's completely blacked out and stopped and you almost get no notice for those things. Right. Right. Like especially during the day, because during the day, no one has their lights on. I mean, or light will break. Well, but during the day you can see them because of the sunlight, but I'm talking about at night where the lights were out. Completely. And it was a dark, dark maroon SUV flipped upside down and sideways. So you can, you couldn't see anything. And, you know, Mason was like, what happened? And he, cause he couldn't see all he could see was the CHP car right in front of us. And so. Well, the CHP officer have all his like uh, warning lights on too. He, all, all sirens, light sirens cut us off, like dramatically. And then just literally screeched to a halt in front of us. And then I parked and I jumped out of the car, but I looked back because there was a car that stopped right behind me because the last thing that I wanted is... Rear-ended. Exactly. But I put my hazard lights on immediately. And um, then I jumped out really quick and I just looked at the officer and I was like, do you need anything, officer? Officer, do you need anything? And he looked at me. He's like, no, ma'am, please get, get in your car. We want you to be safe. And then I started to think, Oh, crud. Like I had walked away from the car for just a second. I thought, oh my gosh, what if somebody rear-ended the car and Mason was in there by himself? Like, and then I got back in the car right away and I was like, okay, it was that panic moment. Like, you know, fight or flight mode where you're just like, there's people still, they were all still in the car upside down. And I just. Was he being chased by the cops? No, 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 no. It was completely flipped upside down. Like the crash had already happened. They hit the guardrail, flipped, and they were sideways across the slow in the middle lane, blocking anybody else that would have come. If that officer hadn't cut us off because they were in our lane and completely blacked out, I would have just plowed right into them. You wouldn't have had enough time to turn? No. Or slow down? There was nowhere. I, was it on a curve? No, it was on a um, an overpass. I would have had to go off the side of the road and down the embankment, down oh, onto El wow. Boulevard. Wow. Yeah. So when I pulled Mason around and he was like, oh my gosh, the car was flipped over. And I said, yeah. And he was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, okay, buddy, we're safe. Our guardian angels were watching over us. And so, you know, it was, 
I, I came home last night and I just really felt like, you know, angels were watching over us. And, you know, it, it really made me think about, you know, our guest for this week that um, is going to be on. We had a really, we just ch- chatted with her yesterday, which is crazy because all of this happened like right after. And she was talking with us. You all are going to hear her. And she's just really exceptional, June. Uh, in just a couple of minutes, um, you know, about when it's our time to go. And last night was not my time. It wasn't Mason's time. It wasn't in our plan. Um, and there were so many different things that lined up to protect us, you know, protecting Mason that, you know, he didn't need to have that surgery protecting us as we were driving home. And I was telling Mason, you know, I was going a little bit below the speed limit. And there's a reason for that because I was trying to be careful. That officer who cut us off, literally, that was, you know, it was just, it felt very supernatural, not even like of this world. It just felt like literally like guardian angels were swooping down and like protecting us. If oh, that definitely. Makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. And I was kind of wondering when you said how the CHP officer like flew in there and got in front of the accident to kind of block, I think. I think because he knows that statistically, if there's a vehicle that's blacked out, like you said, no lights upside down or any debris, not just a car, but any kind of debris that size in the road at night, that late at night, people just like plow right into it. In fact, I was driving one one night and there was a, I was working, I was at work, it was at night and I saw what looked like a axle or a piece of like a dolly, like some kind of a dolly trailer. Like perhaps maybe the um, axle or some some metal chunk of it like fell off, like the wheel section kind of fell off and it was in the road, right? Probably like a foot or so high, big mm-hmm. metal piece of metal chunk. And I'm like, I drove right by it and I looked down on my left, like, oh, look at that thing. Like I almost, I literally, as I drove by it is when I saw it. So if it was yeah. in my lane, I would have hit it. But then I look back at my rearview mirror or my side mirror behind me and I see a car in that lane. I'm like, oh no. And sure enough, he plowed right into the thing. And I just see all these sparks just like coming out from behind the car because he's just like plowed this big chunk of metal and he's just like dragging it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's just goes to show us of, you know, how precious life is and, you know, losing Joe, um, our neighbor, may he rest in peace. Um, and then, you know, having these other experiences, it just reminds me of how, important it is to just hold the people in your life close. And I've been really trying to embrace that philosophy this year is trying to slow things down, spend as much time being present for our family and for, you know, our extended family as possible. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I I don't even know how to put it into words. It's just so much loss this past year. It's just been, I mean, not past year, but like past not calendar year, 12 months, I guess. It's been a lot of loss in our family. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, it just, I don't know, makes me want to be really mindful of, you know, protecting and caring for our relationships. And um, my little clover bear, she's just like looking straight at me like, mom, I'm right here for you. I got you, my little emotional support puppy. What if she's our, what if she's our little angel? She is a little angel. You know, it's interesting that you say that. Uh, what was it last weekend or two weekends ago when we had 
um, our nieces over here, Kendra and Araya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For so, the holidays. Yeah, you went, oh, it was on New Year's Day, right? When you and your dad went and took Oh, right. The kids. To, the, to the auto show? Yeah. So it was a couple of weeks ago. You took the boys um, to the auto show and I took um, the little ones, the, uh, Kendra and Araya, to the movies. But before then, we started this movie called A Dog's Journey. I've never heard of it. And it's about this dog that it's like it's life and it's personality and um, what it comes back as, you know, each each of its lives and what's its best life. You know, kind of like they say cats have nine lives, but it's like, you know, what who is a dog drawn to and what's their energy and just <clears throat> what their different personality is and made me think of our little clover and how much she just loves us. She is so cute. Yeah, she definitely is. And I'm holding her right now. Yeah, I know. She's just curled up with you. So, you know, I've talked a lot about what's been happening with my week. What's been new in your world? Well, I'm on a brand new schedule, that brand new thing where I'm actually off on Fridays. I actually get used to it because for some reason, like as recorded this today being Sunday, yet it feels like Monday for me because I'm just now getting used to this new schedule. And I was telling you yesterday that just before I met you, I had a different schedule. So Christine only knows me having this, well, the previous schedule, you know, I had before. But now I'm on a different schedule. It's a whole new change. I think it's a change for the better. But like with all changes, it always takes some adjusting to get to, uh, to adjust to get to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but uh, this week we have a fantastic guest talking about changing in a different way. Absolutely. And as I was alluding to, she's talking a bit about, um, you know, her life as a psychic medium, which um, is just very insightful. And so I would encourage you, you know, whether it's an area you're familiar with or not, keep an open mind. I was so appreciative and am so appreciative of June being very transparent and giving Chris and I permission to ask questions we've been curious about our whole life. And I think that you'll find it a very fulfilling interview and very insightful. I'm really excited to share it with you. So stay tuned with us. We're going to be back with her right after this. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is podcasting made easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podtasticaudio.com slash easy. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest. We are excited to have her. She is a psychic, a medium, and an author. Welcome to the show, June Edwards. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you on the show today, June. What part of the world are you joining us from? I am in Florida. Florida? What part of Florida? Um, right near the Air Force Base, the Space Force Base, where they launch all the rockets from. That's Cape Canaveral, right? Very close to Cape Canaveral, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And now it is wintertime in Florida. 
Key question, does it actually get cold in Florida during the winter? Uh, it can. I know a couple of years ago, I was waiting for it to snow. It got down to like 34 degrees with like 40 or 50 mile an hour winds. It was cold. Usually doesn't get that cold. It's gotten around 45 at night, a couple of nights, which is a little chilly. And I'm central. So northern Florida does get frost, ice, a little bit of snow. Oh, goodness. Right, right. Yeah, I yeah. know that. Um, so you are central, you know, in the state. Do you get much of the hurricane stuff to hit you guys? So they put um, the launch pad there for Space Force at Cape Canaveral specifically because we don't get hurricanes right here. It seems to hit that point and go around us. So oh. we're very fortunate in that way. We do get them, but we don't really seem to get hit head on or get a lot of damage from them. Well, that's a good thing. I mean, I guess if you picked a place to live in Florida, that's the right kind of place to be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we spent our vacation a couple summers ago in Florida, and we were down in the Miami area in uh, mid-July, and we were not prepared for the humidity. <laughs> we are in Southern California, so we get heat, but it's like a dry heat or like a coastal heat, but that is a whole different world. Oh yeah, the humidity, oh, it's, it's just horrendous. But you usually go from air conditioning car to air conditioning house to air conditioning store. So you're not really out in it a lot, unless that, you go to the beach. That's what we yeah. heard from the, the people that live in Florida. Although us as tourists, we were thinking, oh, well, we're just going to adventure around. We had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hot out. You don't want to travel outside and look at things in the summertime. Not, you know, you do it in the morning and you do it later at night. Those two times. Just stay out of the heat of the day. June, uh, is it true what I've heard about the electric companies in Florida? They really gouge you guys, especially during the summer, how it's crazy expensive. Oh no, it's nothing compared to the Northeast. I moved from Massachusetts. It's horrendous up there. My really? electric bill is probably 20% of what it was up North. Wow. Really? That's interesting. Because I would think of all the all the uh, air conditioning usage that you would be running the AC like eight months out we of the are, year. We 24-7. And that's why my, my electric bill is still like 20% of what it was up north without running an AC 24-7. That's amazing. Now, Massachusetts, I was going to ask you if you were native to Florida because I detected a little bit of a Boston accent. accent. <laughs> yeah, I can hear it too, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey of what took you to Florida. Um, well, when COVID hit, it was a lockdown up there, and Florida was the free zone, so that's where I was going to be. And that's where, when I came down and decided I didn't really want to go back, I went back up, sold my house, and came back down. <laughs> Wow, that sounds like quite the journey. Did you get a good deal for your house when you sold it? No, um, not really. It was problem after problem after problem. I It was okay. a rental and the tenant refused to move out, things like that. Oh, so you were renting the place from somebody else? No, no I owned it, but it's a duplex. Um, I had a duplex up north and I have a duplex down here. Okay, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Now, if you have a duplex, you got to be really cool to your neighbor. I mean, your neighbor's got to be someone that you... Or does it really make a difference or not, or no? It can be challenging, but I find that they keep the place in a little bit better shape when they know you're next door. <laughs> oh, because you're right there, like, you know, see right. things and hear things and things like right. that. So yeah. do, do you ever hear about the squatters that come through with pistols, vacancies and stuff? You ever seen any of that firsthand? Well, you know, it's happening a lot with the Airbnb. So I actually did take it back off the short-term rental for that reason. It's happening a lot of places. 
So an Airbnb is where they they see a house that's no one's really living in it year round. They think no, it's empty. No, an Airbnb is you know you book on Booking dot com or Airbnb or to you know to rent a house instead of a hotel when you travel. And what's happening is those people are getting into the house. They're either scamming their way to get in saying, you know, I'll give you the credit card when I get there, or my nephew's coming a little earlier. Can you let him in and I'll be there with the credit card later? Once you let them in, you're in trouble because they aren't leaving. Yeah. So you can't get them out if they come in? Well, they're squatters. They're squatters. It's difficult depending on where you are. Where I am, the sheriff will come out and throw them out because I'm I'm licensed properly. It's like a hotel. You get in there and you don't want to leave. But other places... um, not so much. They'll make you go through the courts and try to evict them. Right. I've even seen some nightmare situations where somebody says, oh, well, you know, for some reason the payment isn't processing through Airbnb. Can we book off the platform? Right. And that's yep. how they get the loophole. Because if you're not actually through like Airbnb or Verbo or something like that, then you have no protection. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're yeah. glad that you avoided that trap and that you're living it up in Florida. Yeah. So, loving it here. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about your professional journey. So Chris and I see that you are a psychic, a medium and an author. Um, I would love to know a little bit more about how you got into that space as a psychic and a medium? So I was born with a lot of ability. My young earth memory was about three years old. I thought it was my parents calling me and get out of bed and they're fast asleep. And then went back into my room and started seeing faces all over the room and shadow figures. And it was very scary as a child. And I tried to block it as much as I could growing up. And I've been in business my whole life. So, you know, I'm one of, I was one of these people that if you can't feel it, touch it, see it, and, you know, it's not real, right? Right. And when I was 27, um, I had a medical emergency and I died and I went to heaven, basically. And I came back here by choice. And you would think at that point everything would have changed, but it didn't. I was still afraid of my abilities and afraid of the other side, although I was drawn to it. You know, I would go on haunted vacations and go stay on the Queen Mary and go to Alcatraz and go to the Wally House and all those things. And then about 10 years ago, I was having difficulty in my businesses. Uh, the economy wasn't good. I was making hiring decisions out of desperation, which weren't working out well. And I went to a Reiki practitioner to try to relax. And she recommended that I meditate. And I'm like, there's no way I can meditate. I'm running five businesses. I'm going through a divorce. I'm taking care of my sick mother. So the first time that I tried it, it was like they kicked the door into the other side. She's ready. Oh, wow. And I just could not shut it off. (gasps) Um, And it was a thousand times stronger than when I was a kid. I mean, I see, I see everything. I see, you know, lower vibrational entities, which people call ghosts for the most part here. I see them in 3D. Sometimes I'm not, sometimes I'm not sure if it's a ghost or a person. I did when I was little, but it's much more now. And they're everywhere. Um, I can. I have the ability to go back and forth to the lowest level of heaven where I went when I died, which is the fifth dimension at will. Yeah, it's uh, it's been quite the journey. <laughs> so, June, let's go. Let's go back to that episode when you were twenty-seven years old. Your first NDE, right? Was that that was your only NDE? I would, I would assume. 
Yeah, well, they call yeah. I never heard heard the term until you know a few years ago, to be honest. And studying it a little bit, I found out that it's a just a terminology coined by scientists that haven't been able to quantify it yet. How long? I always were called you, it a death experience. Well, how how long were you under for? How long was I dead? Um, probably, I would say probably four or five minutes. I know they say brain de- brain damage takes effect after like. I don't know, two minutes or three minutes, but there's exceptions to everything. Right, right, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I I remember everything. I saw, I could see everything that was happening to my body. You know, I saw them come in with the crash cart, inject the line and do the paddles and, you know, tip the bed up and start slapping me. But I didn't feel anything because I wasn't there. But I could also see and hear everything else that was happening in the whole hospital at the same time. You know, the nurses that were outside at the station talking about it happening and the room be- rooms behind me. But I was very focused on a life review. Apparently, less than 10% of the people that have an NDE actually get to the level that I got to and have a full life review. What, is that, what does that look like? It's like sitting in the front row of an IMAX theater. <laughs> and the only thing they're showing me was all the happy times in my life. The people that I cared about, the people that had done things for me, um, any occasion that had brought me joy. And then I heard a voice from behind me tell me that it really is not my time. I can stay if I want to or I could go back. It's my choice. If you and have a choice and everybody else has a choice, why doesn't everybody just come back? Everybody doesn't have a choice. Everybody's situation is very different. Um, most people don't get to the level that I get to. I've actually even met a man who at 45 had a heart attack and was taken to hell and was told that he was not going to stay there, but they wanted him to see it so he could come back and tell everyone that it's real. And he came back and became a Catholic priest. Oh, my word. Well, did he describe what he saw? Was it? I mean, he or- did. He uh, absolutely did. In yeah. detail or is it more of like yeah. a feeling he had? No, in detail, he explained it to me. And I, he's the only person that I've ever spoken to that went to hell. Um, it was pretty, pretty unbelievable because that's the first thing out of my mouth. He wanted to talk to me. He's like, oh, I heard you died. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, so did I. I'm like, it was amazing, wasn't it? He goes, absolutely not. He goes, they took me to hell. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, prior to 27, when you started to have these experiences, um, do you, I, I don't know if I'm going to ask this question right or wrong. So I'm just going to ask it like, can you block it out? Is there ever a time where you can just say, I don't want to see and feel these things because I worry about, you know, children that have exposure to this, never feeling like they have an escape and, and feeling tormented. Well, prior to 27, that's what my childhood was like. It was, it was not good. You know, as I was growing up, you know, I didn't know that other people weren't seeing or hearing what I was. You know, I was in school and I would tell everybody what was going to happen before it happened. And I got labeled a freak really quick. How, how so accurate, I had, accurate were you when you um, said those kind of things? And how accurate was I? Very, but you know, it's a, you know, you, they label you a freak. So you know, I had all kinds of nervous tics and twitches, and I'd bite my nails, and I stuttered, and it was terrible. Um, I remember when I was ten years old, my parents split up. My dad actually kidnapped the youngest five of us. I was one of eight kids, and I had to do the dishes every night after dinner. 
And there was a woman that, that would stand there and keep me company every night, about the age of 45. And I appreciated it. I didn't really have any friends. We had taken away to a place I wasn't familiar with. And one day I asked my older brother who she was. I just assumed everybody saw her. And he started laughing at me and told me that she was the woman that used to live in the house. Her husband killed her and threw her down the basement stairs. And it scared me so much that she never came back. Wow. And then I tried blocking it as much as I could. But still, anytime anybody died, even if they were just acquaintances of mine or someone that someone else, you know, in the family knew, they would come to me immediately. And I'd be telling them the next day, you know, Joe Schmo died last night. No way. I just saw him last week. Sure enough, they'd find out that I was right, that he did die. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting and it's very different. And it was, it, this is not what I thought I'd be doing in my life, to be honest with you. Like I said, before I died, I didn't even believe any of this stuff was real. Right. Because, yeah. you know, I was exposed to a lot of religions growing up. And, you know, you got my, my boyfriend's mother has got Mother Mary in the bathtub in the yard. And she's got the little cards in her, you know, in her car and statues and praying the rose, rose, rosary all the time. I'm like, well, you know, what is all this? But I can tell you that every religion is right. Every religion is wrong. There is only one when you get to the other side. You can call it whatever you want. God, source energy, um, Buddha, Krishna, whatever you want to call it, there is only one. It's absolutely amazing on the other side. The only two things that you bring with you is your knowledge and your feelings. And I used to say love because that's all I was feeling on the other side was just overwhelming love. But now that I've done this work for so long, I've brought through more than enough souls from the other side that are still, you know, either angry, remorseful, sad. So we bring through all of our feelings with our soul when we when we go to the other side. But I always hear people are always say, oh, they're much better when they go to their side. They're, they're at a better place or they're-, they're It's amazing over there. It's so, amazing. So if you- You don't change. You're still the same person you were here just without a body. But you can go anywhere you want once you've gone in the light. Interesting. I, you I find this very quantum, fascinating. Yeah, when you look at quantum physics, the speed of light is over 300 million miles a second. And when I left my body and my soul, which is pure energy, went into that light, I was traveling at that rate of speed. And then it went back into this body. So my vibration is much higher than most people's to begin with. That's why I believe I have such an easy time connecting and can go back and forth to the fifth dimension at will. But when you don't have that body, you can travel at that speed all day long. So they can go anywhere very, very quickly. And they don't want to be forgotten. So anytime you even mention their name, they show up immediately. You, you know, it's like a two-way mirror. They can see you. They can hear you. They can even touch you. And they're like banging on the glass wanting you to know that they're there. It's amazing. As much as you want to talk to them, they want to talk to you a lot more. So with that being said, now, first of all, June... I'm going to, I will confess, you know, I was raised in a very conservative Christian home and my mom and my dad always told me like whenever, so when I, we would drive up to this, um, the next biggest town next to where I grew up, we would always pass by this um, uh, psychic uh, medium. Like there was a, a house off to the side and there was always a sign for it. And my mom would always tell me, you're never allowed to go there. Like, don't open the door to that. That's what I've always been 
raised with. So I'm going to ask this question and knowing that that's how I was raised and that I still have that anxiety of even asking like, oh my gosh, if if I ask this, am I going to get in trouble with my parents, (laughs) you know, 40 plus. And I still wonder about that. So my question is, First, first fold, you said when people cross over, they're the same just without the bodies and they bring their emotions. What about people that experienced a lot of heavy, hard emotions like depression and anxiety? Does that go with them also or is it only the good? So it's not always just the good. I mean, I brought through a woman's dad because she wanted an apology. He had molested her as a child and he came through blaming her. He was very angry. He's like, it's your own fault. It's your mother's fault. He hadn't changed. He hadn't learned anything on the other side yet. But people that have like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and things like that, those are physical ailments. When they get to the other side, they may exhibit something for me to know that they had this so I can tell the person that's sitting there and they can identify them. But then they will morph right back out of it and let me know that they have no none of these afflictions on the other side. There's no pain. There's nothing like that because you don't have the body. It's all part of just being in the body. Um, and just so you know, everyone has psychic ability and mediumship ability. Everyone has it. Thousands of years ago, it was... Um, encouraged and people, you know, mental telepathy, all of that stuff. And it's the difference between um, thinking in your head and knowing something. Okay. We all have a brain, which is nothing more than a computer. Our brain has a specific job and it's to protect you. And it does that by creating fear. So most people make their decisions based in fear, but everyone's had to make a decision in their life at some point where they just knew they were supposed to do something. They just knew it and they, and they did it and it worked out fine. And that's your soul. So what I do is I teach people how to get in touch with their soul and make decisions from their soul, not their head. Because when you make a decision from your soul, it's the right decision 100% of the time. And your soul is way too big for your body. So some of it's in the body, some of it's over your body, which people can see and they call it an aura. And the majority of your soul is in the lowest level of heaven, the fifth dimension, and it orchestrates all the events, the timing of all the events that happen in your life because you planned this life. And everything that happens, it happens the way it's supposed to. There's no accidents. It's interesting because a lot of people will say like, oh, they were too young to die or perhaps maybe a strategy strategy of a mass shooting or something like that. And you always kind of wonder like, why, why? But you're saying that, Regardless. So you can die, you can die outside of your life plan. Okay? Oh, really? That's something Absolutely. new. I haven't heard that one yes. yet. Yes. No, you can. And I didn't think so. But again, they teach me many, many things from the other side. Um, and when I was when I was first, I mean, I, I trained for a year and a half just to be able to control my abilities and understand who I was talking to before I ever even did anything professionally. Mm. Um, and when I was practicing at one point in time... <coughs> there was a woman who came to see me and wanted to talk to her niece who had been in a car accident, brought the niece through and she showed up with four other people come to find out they were all in a car together and it was a bad car accident and they all perished. So she explained to me, um, what happened and, you know, 
they talked and got a message to the mother and the whole nine yards. Well, a week later, somebody else comes to see me and I'm flabbergasted because all the same people are standing in front of me again. I'm like, what the heck's going on? Why are all these people still here from last week? And it was the it was somebody else's mother that came to see me that heard that I brought the other one through. And when we talked to that one, she told me she was not supposed to be in the car. She knew it. Her soul knew it. Her mother always told her that if you feel it's a dangerous situation, don't get in the car. She knew she wasn't supposed to get in the car and she died. She mm. died outside of her life path. Wow. And what happens with that? So for instance, if you take your own life, that is never written into your life plan. That's not an acceptable out, but it's outside your life path. What happens in those situations is when you plan this life on the other side, you sit down with everybody you're going to come back with and reincarnate with, people you owe karma to, people you're going to help in life, people who are going to help you. And you do this with the angels. Every archangel has a soul group, and those are the people that you come through with from lifetime to lifetime. So when you leave outside of your life plan, all those people that you were supposed to interact with, now that has to be fixed. So the angels have to intervene in everyone else's life plans to fix everything so that they can still continue on their journey properly. It's a lot of work. So wow. it's not something that's encouraged, but it does happen. So a big question that, you know, definitely different faith communities do have dialogue about um, is, you know, when somebody does take their own life, does that alter where they go? No, absolutely not. The only people that I have found that I cannot bring through that I believe are in hell are those that have taken someone else's life and have no remorse or have literally given their soul to the devil. Those are the only types of people that I have not been able to, to contact. Hmm. And I can't get information from them, so I have to assume, because I've been able to bring through 100% of the people. There's only one little girl I wasn't able to bring through. She was a murder victim um, about 40 years ago when she was eight years old. And her family came through from the other side to let us know that she had reincarnated almost immediately, which is rare. There's exceptions to every rule. I've found that people usually reincarnate about every 350 to 400 of our years. Because time really doesn't exist. We create it here type of thing. Um, it's very different on the other side. It's about, um, it's about three and a half to four years of our time is one of their years. Okay. It's like that forever for them, though. So the other, on the other side, whether the afterlife, what do you want to describe it? So you're saying, I've heard that time doesn't even exist. It's something that we can't even... Fat, we fathom here, I guess. We can't even think about it there because it doesn't. Well, it really doesn't exist there because they can travel forward and backward in time. They can go wherever the heck they want. It really does not exist. We've created it here to try to have some type of control in a situation where we truly have no control. Mm. So why people have routines. They get up at the same time. They set an alarm clock. You know, it's to give you some type of comfort in a, in a world where you really have no control. So how, okay, I know that it sounds kind of a weird question, but- how would somebody or spirit or soul, how would we adjust to this not having a time limit space? Like how would we even adjust to that? Well, you have to remember. So have you seen the movie Avatar? Yes. yes. Okay. So when I, that came out, I was thrilled to death. I'm like, oh my God, this is what it is. So 
you know, when you go to sleep at night, your vibration actually raises and more of your soul leaves your body. And you can astral project anywhere. You can go visit anybody, whether they're alive or not alive. You go visit your other soul friends, all that stuff. Okay. And when you get up in the morning, it's just like you're putting on the suit. Okay. And you are playing a role here. This is just like you're playing a part in a movie. That's all this is. And you're here for the blink of an eye. When you look at existence, you're here for less than a hundred years. You come back here for lots of reasons. When you're on the other side and you don't have the body, right? You can't do lots of things that you can do when you have a body. You can't smell, you can't taste, you can't have sex, you can't do all those things. So we come back for like a little mini vacation. And we also learn our lessons faster here than we do on the other side. So every one of us has five less five soul lessons that we have to learn for our soul to continue to advance on the other side. Okay. Okay. And we learn those lessons faster here than we do on the other side. And we learn them faster still within relationships. Now, whether that's a relationship with a friend, a lover, a parent, those are, we're in relationship with everyone. We're in a relationship right now, just having a discussion and a talk. Okay. Right. So you come back to help other souls learn that relationship. You come back to collect your karma. Hence the, my book, All's Fair in Love and Karma. You write into your plan. You know, you create karma in this lifetime if you do something to someone that you have no remorse and you don't make amends. In another lifetime, you owe them something. Maybe you stole money from somebody in a past lifetime. They're not necessarily going to come back and steal money from you in this lifetime. Maybe you wrote it in that they're going to be your boss and you're really going to learn what money's all about because they're the one that's going to give you the raise or not give you the raise, right? Mm -hmm. So this is how it works with the people in your life. And there's really only three different types of relationships. We have a karmic relationship where one or the other literally is there to teach or learn something. And a karmic relationship never really feels comfortable. It always feels like there's something missing or you're looking for the red flags or the other shoe to drop. And when one or the other learns the lesson, that relationship ends immediately. It's like you wake up one morning and say, why do I even have this person in my life anymore? I'm done. If you both learned your lesson, it will end amicably. If only one or the other learned the lesson, it will end, but not amicable. Then you have the soulmate relationship, and you're still there to either learn or teach a lesson, but it's also there to afford you some love and comfort at the same time. And a soulmate relationship can end when the lesson is learned, or it can continue on, and you can learn more lessons with that person. It really depends on what you wrote into your life plan. This is why some relationships last a long time and some don't. It really depends on what you wrote into your life plan. And then there's a twin flame relationship, which is extremely rare. There's way too much misinformation out there all over the internet with the movies coming out. That's literally one soul that split and re reincarnated two bodies here on earth. And those people not only have the five soul lessons that they have to learn, but they're also here for a higher calling to help humanity. And they will meet at a predetermined time in life, and it will throw their world upside down, literally. It's always an intense relationship. It's always extremely sexual, and it only lasts for a matter of weeks or months. And then when it ends, it's like you've been ghosted. But it will put you on the path that you're supposed to be on in life. And if you've both learned the five lessons and are on your path of helping humanity, you'll have an opportunity 
to get back together in this lifetime again. Otherwise, you'll have to wait till you get to the other side. But no other relationship in your life will ever compare to that. You'll always be settling after that. And most of them don't get back together in this lifetime because the lessons are, are difficult to learn and everybody doesn't always learn their lessons. Wow. I'm just, I'm sitting with all of this and I'm thinking as you were talking through the different uh, relationships, I was thinking through different relationships with people I've had and you know, you try to categorize them like, well, right. what were they? And, and, you know, I'm even thinking, you know, I don't know, I'm sure you probably already know this, that, you know, Chris and I here, we're sitting in the same room, we're uh, spouses, so we're married. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, where does this relationship fall? Lord knows, I hope it's not one of those short relationships <laughs> for only a you know, few years, but then like the soulmates. And then, you know, I start to think of like when you were talking about the karmic relationships, it made me wonder, um, okay, so I don't know if, again, I don't know if I'm going to ask this right. So in a situation, hypothetically, where somebody has wronged someone else and the person that has wronged the other lives their entire life remorseful for it, but is never able to make amends with the other individual for whatever reason. How does that impact them in this life and on the other side? Um, well, if they're remorseful already, I don't think it really impacts them that much on this side. And I don't think it impacts them much on the other side. You know, it's a matter of we're all here to help each other. And even a karmic relationship, they're coming back to, to cover a debt, but they're still doing it in a way to help the other soul. That's what it's all about. It's not about, you know, I owe you, you owe me. That's not really what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's really about helping each other. Yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, there's lots of different scenarios, like mm -hmm. the car accident scenario, you know, the drunk driver may be that, um, you know, was doing something they think wouldn't affect somebody else. They get into an accident and it maybe it doesn't kill the other person, but they live with that, the pain or whatever for the rest of their life. But the drunk driver then becomes, you know, this good person or, you know, trying to live out, live out their life, trying to make amends for that one bad decision and, you know, the shame, trying to escape the shame and the guilt. And I worry like, does that carry through on the other side? Do they ever get freedom from that torment? Um, yes, yes and no. <clears throat> and it really depends. So for instance, if say you say your mom dies, okay? And you just can't get over it. And you're sitting here every day. You don't want to leave the house. You cry all the time. Um, you just can't seem to get over it. Well, they're going to be, they live vicariously through us on the other side. They don't have bodies. So when they're that connected to you, she's going to be right next to you, constantly crying with you every day. You know, they used to say years ago, set an extra plate at the dinner table. They'll come and enjoy your meal with you. And they absolutely will because they can only live vicariously through us without having a body. So if they want to go fishing and they're on the other side, they're going to go show up on a fishing boat somewhere and they're going to stand next to the guy with the fishing pole and they're going to be like, when this guy's throwing it in or pulling the fish out, they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what they do. So yeah, if somebody on this side is still living in the pain and, and, and all that, they're still going to be feeling it on the other side. Absolutely. 
And this is where I help people a lot of times with closure. I had a woman who thought she caused her son to take his own life probably 50 years ago. And it was a very bizarre incident. And she wanted me to bring her son through for her. And it's a long story. It would take me 15 minutes to tell you the whole thing. But in the end, I brought him through. He stood in front of me with his head down, which is an indication to me that they either committed suicide or they have um, shame. They're in shame. So I asked her, I said, you think he, he killed himself? And she's like, yeah, I do. And his head immediately popped up and he said, I did not. He goes, it was an accident. And she started bawling her eyes out. She's like, I've tried, you know, I, I begged him to come through to me and talk to me. And, and he couldn't because he felt so guilty that her life had been so fraught with guilt for 40 years that she, she was just a shadow of a woman. She was in her 80s when she came to see me. And, you know, I facilitated, facilitated a conversation between the two of them and exactly what happened and everything else, which her and her daughter were both able to confirm everything. And I asked her after why she didn't come to see someone like me sooner. And she said she'd gone to everyone that she could find for the last 40 years. And I was the only person that was strong enough to ever bring them through. So that told me right then and there, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it not only helped her on this side, but it helped him on the other side as well. And because I can physically see them, he went immediately over to her to give her a hug. She could feel the energy. She could feel him on her. And, um, you know, she knew that he'd be coming to see her in her dreams and things like that after that because they'd cleared the air. Wow. You know, it's, I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking how rewarding that must be for you, but also it makes me wonder about how you take care of yourself emotionally when this seems like such an an emotional existence where you're having to broker these interactions and carry such, you know, high highs and low lows for people. How do you manage that? So my energy is balanced. And that's one of the things that I teach people how to do. So the highs are not so high and the lows are not so low for me. Um, but my energy already is very high, but it's balanced. And I'm just grateful and blessed that I'm able to help these people. I mean, I feel bad if there's somebody that I can't help. So for instance, um, missing person cases and murder cases, if they don't want me to know that they're dead because they don't want the family to know, they don't think the family's ready to know yet, um, they may give me misinformation specifically because they don't want the family to know yet. And if they haven't gone into the light, I'm picking up on energy that feels like they're still alive. I cannot tell the difference between the energy of a ghost and a, and a, and a living person because their, their energetic vibration is the same. Once they've gone into the light, it can tell immediately. So June, um, speaking on that, um, what would cause somebody to not cross over to the light and stay as you Many, ma many things. Okay, many now, things. have you seen the movie Ghost? I have, okay. yeah. Okay, how, yeah. how realistic is that? I was going to ask that too. <laughs> Very accurate. And in fact, my sister was Hindu, and I forget what they called the ones that came up from hell to drag his body back down to hell, but it's- it's very well depicted from the Veda from Hindu, from Hindu um, 
religion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was wondering about that when I watched that movie, and I was kind of oh, even back then when it came out, cause it came out a while ago. I was kind of wondering. It does look pretty realistic. It almost feels like everything you've been told or you've heard. It sounds like it's pretty accurate. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's a very realistic movie. That's crazy! Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of is. But yeah, I mean, I feel very blessed that I'm able to do this work and help people the way I'm able to help them, to be quite honest. When you ask me why people stay, why the ghosts stay and why they're here, you know, sometimes um, they're here because they're afraid. They are afraid of what goes in the light. They're afraid to be punished and judged. So I've had lots of different ghosts. I had a a ghost I was trying to pass over who had murdered someone and his eight-year-old daughter, he obviously killed her as well because she was hiding in the kitchen. And I got the grandmother to be able to bring her to the other side. Um, But I told him he needed to go into the light and he wanted to know if he was going to be judged or what was going to happen. And I told him, I have no idea. I know you've taken people's lives. I have no idea what's going to happen to you. And he refused to go. He left the house and left the building that I was trying to get him out of, but he refused to go into the light. I've had, um, I had a little girl one time, was probably eight or nine years old, died of, either yellow fever or typhoid back in the 1800s. And she was haunting a half dozen homes that had been built on the land that her family owned when she died. And she kept going from house to house and looking for her mother. And she would call the woman that lived in the house. Everyone she found, she'd call a mommy. She'd stand at the bottom of the stairs at different houses, waiting for them in the morning, calling a mommy, couldn't find her mother. So I was able to bring her mother from the other side and bring her into the light. And she she moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, other people, you know, I've, I've found um, attics and basements full of slaves or um, immigrants that have come through, <coughs> like Italian immigrants or Irish immigrants that came with the potato famine, things like that. And they, so energy attracts, we're magnets, we're always attracting or repelling at any time. And they find each other. So if you have a haunted house, I guarantee you got more than one in there. But these these souls that die, if they didn't go into the light, they went back to where they felt that they were safe. And then like in the Underground Railroad, they were hiding in basements and attics. And then they congregate, you know, there'd be 50 or 60 of them in there. Um, and I, you know, I, I explained to them that their families are in the light waiting for them and move them into the light. Sometimes I've only had one that wouldn't go and it was, he lived at, you know, I had a restaurant and um, I'd owned the building a long time. I'd had a couple of different businesses in there and he was turning the lights on every night after the kitchen staff left. And I like, listen, you can't do that. You need to go into the light. He had been a cook when it was a prior restaurant and fell and hit his head on the curb in the street and died. He was very excited that it was a restaurant again and was very happy to be there and did not want to go into the light. So I made an agreement with him that he could stay, provided he only turns the lights back on if there's a problem that I need to be aware of. Oh, you didn't get a problem to work? Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yep. So anytime the lights were on, I would look and I would find the problem. Once a refrigerator had cut out, another one that was a frayed wire that would have caught fire. Um. So yeah, absolutely. So June, um, how long does, let's just say someone turns into a ghost, does not go into the light. How much time do they have in that current form as a ghost before they go into light? Is that expire? Is there a time limit on that? I, I have no idea. I've never heard of that. I've never asked that, never thought about that. Um, 
I did have a bartender that took some pictures in my uh, bar restaurant, sports bar that I owned. And I would put holy water at the door so nothing negative could come in. And I would sage the place, <coughs> excuse me, on a daily basis. And the picture she took, there was probably about 20 entities with their faces pressed up against the glass wanting to come in and they couldn't come in because there's music and there's booze and, you know, everything that they had, you know, when they were here. Um, and they were, they looked very different. I mean, one of them had long, long hair. Another one looked like a skeleton. So I don't know. Um, I, I have no idea how that works or if they ever do go into the light or I don't know. I mean, there's, there's so many of them. If you could see an episode of The Walking Dead, that's what I see. They're everywhere. They stand on the you know, they stand on the sidewalks, they'll wait for your car to stop, they'll get in your car because they can't get anywhere faster than you or I. They haven't gone into the light, so if they want to go somewhere, they'll hit you ride in your car. It's just like the movie, A Ghost. So that's interesting that you say that. Okay, so full transparency. You know, I had an experience when I was younger. I've told Chris about it. It made me afraid of the dark for the rest of my life. Good girl, good girl. You'll never find me in the dark ever. (laughs) Never. I do not do dark. Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely a very tangible experience and, um, you know, one that I don't talk about very often, but, you know, my parents are very much aware of what happened and, you know, I was very tormented and I've been numerous occasions tormented in the dark where, you know, things have happened. But, um, one of the things I wonder about is as a psychic and medium, do you have to be in physical space? Like, so for example, if Chris and I were to say, to say, June, we need your help with this. Do you need to be in physical space with us to be no. able to get a reading? No, because it's energy. All I'm doing is working with energy and it's my soul. So again, your brain is nothing more than a computer that's processing your information. Mm. And whatever I'm doing, it's coming from my soul. So like if you wanted me to, you know, I used to consult with other authors and paranormal groups and things and they would, you know, give me a scenario and tell me where they're at and I have to tap into it and explain everything that's, you know, explain everything in the house. Um, It's just my soul. My, My soul goes there. So that's how I'm seeing things because my soul is there. That makes it's sense. It's just energy. It's all we are is energy. That makes We're sense. We're energy in a body. So, okay, again, full transparency. Before this show, when we, Chris and I were prepping, um, he's like, it's perfect timing this week because of some things that have happened in our life. And I said, we're not allowed to go there, Chris. I'm not ready for it. So I was asking that for a very specific purpose, like, If we were to, like if people have just gone through something and they're listening to this episode and they're thinking, wow, like June's explaining this in a way I've never heard of it before and you're in Florida and they're in Timbuktu, can they they reach out to you? Absolutely. I work with people all over the world, basically. I have a lot of clients in other countries that I work with on Zoom or Skype. Um, I can tell you that I don't do exorcisms. Uh, I have tried. I've had two students of my relationship mastery program that did not follow the program. And the reality of it is everything that's happening in this world is a war of good versus evil. And they both want your soul. And if you have a good heart, then you're a target. So um, I did have one person that I did try to do uh, exercise the demon that had she allowed it in. I was not able to do that. It's not my forte. 
It's not what I do. And she did have to go to a Catholic church to get exercise. So did the other one. Um, so it's very important when people meditate, you have to protect yourself first, because when you open yourself up to meditation, you're opening your soul up to the universe, and that is good and evil. And this is where a lot of people fail, that they do not teach people to protect themselves prior to meditation, and it is extremely important. Um, it's almost like, you know, vultures just waiting to hop on you, if, if, you know, just like that thing in the dark. Right. I know what's in the dark. I've had the same experiences that you had since I was a child, and you will never see me in the dark. If I go, if I travel, I have nightlights in my travel case that I will plug in and put into the room. I'll keep the bathroom light on with the door cracked so I have enough light in the room. There's no way. The, the, the darkness is what allows them that anything that's demonic and evil to come to you. They do not like the light, and that keeps them at bay. See, Chris, so there is a reason why I leave the closet light on every night in our bedroom. Well, yep, I was going to turn absolutely. on anyways, but I, I, like a lot, I like a lot of light too myself, you know, and it's just me. I always like to like to see everything like, ooh, what a mess. I got to clean this place up. <laughs> I mean, I live near the beach and mm -hmm. I go to watch the sunrise every morning. And lately I've been meeting a friend of mine down there before sunrise to walk the beach. And I got there before they did one morning. And I'm like, okay, I'll go north and for a little bit. And I had my flashlight and I can see them all on the beach because they're drawn to it. And because, you know, positive and negative ions it kind of neutralizes. And I was okay for a little bit, but then I had this one demonic shadow attachment that would not leave me. Um, even though I had called on Archangel Michael to protect me and surround me, it would not leave my right-hand side. It was following me. And so I, I, I left. I went back and got off the beach and waited to the other person to come. And they have a much stronger light flashlight than I have as well. And it did not follow me off the beach. Mm. So, but yeah, I don't usually go down there at night in the dark at all because uh, they congregate there. So, you know, I went, one of the things that you were saying about, you know, be careful about your, be careful about, meditation that really does speak to that that voice of my parents which is saying you know when you are quieting your mind and opening yourselves up like it it does leave an opening for things and so but that's why you protect yourself right. and once you've protected yourself for the most part if it's just a meditation you're safe i mean if you were doing things like i was doing i was you know i was doing uh interpreting scribes and looking at pictures of demons and things that paranormal groups and authors were sending to me, that needs more protection. That needs a salt circle because anything can still come through that and did. I was attacked by a sorcerer. I had no idea the picture they were sending me was taken in a sorcerer's house from, you know, 400 years ago. Mm -hmm. And they're not here, but they have more power on the other side than they do here. And he did not want me giving the information that I was giving. So literally, as I'm sitting there within a matter of minutes, I got a sty in my eye and it blew up and closed for a month. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's intense. I had no idea. So I'm like, listen, next time you send me anything, I need to know where it came from. <laughs> yeah. So just kind of transitioning a little bit here, June. Now, you're not just in the psychic and medium space, but you are an author in a relationship space. And so- how do those two worlds connect and collide? Like where, how did you find your way into, 
into this space? <laughs> so when I first started as a psychic medium, people would always come to me and want to know about relationships. Am I going to get married? Is this the guy? Blah, 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 blah. So I was divinely led to create the Relationship Mastery Program, which is a seven-week program that teaches people how energy works, how the universe works, how to get in touch with their soul, how to raise their vibration for the law of attraction to kick in, and how to balance their energy so that they can maintain that. And it puts them on the path in life that they're supposed to be on. You know, and when I tell you I'm divinely guided for stuff, you know, I created a relationship Facebook group after doing all these card readings. And then I just kept hearing that I need to make videos about relationship stuff for people. So I'm like, oh, okay. I literally hired professional camera crew, the whole nine yards, and wrote out the script to do 10 videos about relationships, about marriage, divorce, death, retirement, all of that, blended families. And I filmed all these. Now I'm like, now what am I supposed to do with them? I have no idea. Put them for sale on the website, put them, put them on Facebook. There was no interest anywhere. Well, lo and behold, a year later, I'm hearing I need to create this program and all of these videos were inserted into that program. Wow. I was I was divinely led to put the program together the way it was. It only works if you do it in order and do it in a timely manner. Some of my students have had to do it two and three times because they were trying to skip around and not do it in the order uh, that it's yeah. laid out in. Yep. And it only works if you do it the way it's in. And then your your energy shifts and then you balance it. And you really are able to look at life from a higher perspective. But what I learned was that of all the hundreds of people that went through my program, everyone had the same five lessons that they were working on. And that was the problem in their relationship, one of these lessons. So Ooh. I'll quickly tell you the lessons. The first one is self-worth. And it's knowing that you are the only one here. And you have to learn how to put yourself first. It's not narcissistic or selfish. It's where everything else comes from. Because if you can't take care of yourself, you won't be here for anyone else. Then mm. you have trust and communication. You have to be able to trust that there is a higher power, that there is a plan, and communicate your wants and needs to the people in your <laughs> excuse me, to the people in your life, because otherwise they won't know what you want and you need. And sex is just another form of communication. If you can't trust them and communicate outside the bedroom, you're not gonna do it in the bedroom. Then you have unconditional love. Unconditional love is not saying that I have to stay in this abusive relationship because I'm supposed to be practicing unconditional love. Unconditional love is saying, listen, I love you. I care about you. We had a good run. It's not working. It's not bringing us joy. It's time to go our separate ways. End of story. No drama, no backstabbing, no nothing. That's unconditional love. Maybe you had a child that you love dearly and they do something horrific like murdering a neighbor in a fit of rage. And they go to prison for the rest of their life. You don't like what the child did, but hopefully you still love your child. That's unconditional love. Mm. Then you have money and balance. Money is energy. That's why it's called currency. And it's what we use in this 3D world to show whether or not your life is out of balance. Everything in the universe has to stay in balance. You have good and evil, night and day, left and right, up and down. And you have to have an even, even exchange of energy for everything or there is no value. When I first started the program, I gave it to some people in the military at no charge. They never did the program. It had no value to them. It has to be an even exchange of energy. 
So you don't walk into the grocery store and plop down a million dollars for a gallon of milk yet. It has to be an even exchange. And then if you're working 80 hours a week and you're just hoarding your money, your life's going to be completely out of balance because you're not going to have any time to spend with your family, your friends, your own hobbies. And then if you're not spending the money, you don't have enough self-worth to even spend the fruits of your labor on yourself. So this is how all of the lessons keep intertwining and going back to the other one. And then the last lesson is patience. And we live in a world of instant gratification right now. Oh, and everybody even, wants yeah. everything yesterday. Yeah, it's and quicker. it doesn't work. It's quicker yeah, now. It doesn't work than, that way. I think mm-hmm. especially with all the social media and all the instant yeah. stuff. And I mean, how stupid would it be if every five-year-old girl, little girl that wants to get married and have babies started having the stock deliver babies at her front door, right? Right. Everything comes in the time that it's supposed to. And you are always right where you are supposed to be at any given time. No matter what you would have done, don't have regrets because it still would have brought you to where you are right now. And everyone can look back at the breadcrumbs and see how one thing led to the next and led to the next and led to the next and brought you to where you are. But what I help you do is get in touch with your soul so that you can see the signs that are coming from the other side, from the angels, and make your decisions from a knowing, your soul, not your head. So that you can put yourself on the path that you're supposed to be on and it's an easy commute for you. So building off of that, June, when you were talking about like everything in your life brought to you to where you're at now, I think I'm paraphrasing it incorrectly. What about the people that say, you know, bad things always happen to me, uh, you know, Nothing good ever happens. They keep saying that because that's the law of attraction. It's like if you're trying to cross a street and you keep saying, I don't want to get hit by a car. I don't want to get hit by a car. The universe does not understand negatives. All it hears is hit by a car. So guaranteed you're going to get hit by a car. You need to stay positive. You need to ask for what you want to attract. So the person that's saying, oh, I'm a bad person. I'm dumb. Nobody likes me. uh, It's self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what I keep saying to certain individuals in the room with me right now. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. (laughs) I tell Chris, okay, so, you know, we we use a lot of our own personal uh, life story and life journey as part of this podcast. And so we talk about manifesting what we want. And I talk to him a lot about the energy that we bring into space with each other, the energy that we bring into this life. And so like, even this morning we were having coffee and I, and I was like, or I think it was last night when I came home from work and I was like, what is this energy you're bringing into my space right now? Like we need to <laughs> so calibrate. What's interesting is every relationship has a leader and a follower. We know who the leader is here. <laughs> and when I work with people um, in regards to relationships, I don't work with couples. I work with one person. And it's always the leader of the relationship that comes to me. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> because every action is an equal or greater reaction. When you change, everything around you changes. And when you raise your vibration because you're a magnet and you're attracting, it's like a radio radio station. You can't get the radio station unless you're on the right frequency, right? The right. people that are in your life are on the same frequency. You two are on the same frequency. How's that feel, babe? Yeah, you're on my frequency. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you're, you're on my frequency. <laughs> but if you want to attract better into your life, raise your frequency. And because you are together, when one person raises their frequency, the other person's frequency will automatically rise. You know, it's interesting you say that because that's been the conversation we've been having lately as, you know, things have been changing in my life and we have a, an event planning business and it's been going so well. And uh, Chris, you say to me frequently, like, 
I want my business to be as successful. So I'm up in my game. And so we, we talk about this and sometimes that energy can almost feel like competition. But from what I'm hearing for you, it's no, it's not competition. It's, we're just, we're trying to level up together, but it's exactly. kind of like this, yep. almost like and a it's staircase. Like balancing. When you learn how to balance your energy because you're on the same frequency, the other person will automatically balance their energy as well. It only takes one person. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. So you, you said that when you're working with relationships, you only work with one person. So yep. how does that how does that work and not cause manipulation or like how do, how do you orient so to that? So when you understand why things are happening, you have the ability to change anything in your life. And again, when you're looking at it, so for instance, you know, my, my students, I tell them when you come home at night, you go in the house, don't go in and ask your wife, how was your day? Because when you are asking a question, you're triggering her because you don't know, you know, you're not in a good space to begin with. So, and that's with a lot of people. When you're asking any question, you're triggering them. She's going to turn around and say, what the hell do you care how my day was? Blah, blah, blah. Instead, go in and make a statement. Hey, hon, I hope you had a great day today. Mine was pretty good. Now she's going to stop for a second and say, did I have a great day? He's hoping I had a great day. Oh, you know, it, it could have been better. It wasn't too bad. It completely changes instead of having that attack going on. There's so many things. When you change something, the whole dynamic of a relationship changes. Mm. And that's why when I work with one person and they can start seeing it from a higher purpose and why they're there, why these things are happening, everything changes. That makes a lot of sense. I have people, so the, the way the program works, one person goes through the program Things change so much and they make the decision from their soul, not their head, whether or not they want to be with this person. The other person is so amazed at how the dynamic has changed so quickly. They want to know why. They teach them what I taught them in the program. And now I have people that teach their children. I've got people sending me videos of their kids that they've taught the program to. So their children don't have to go through all the difficulties and challenges because there's no need if you've learned your lessons. Right. If you learn those five lessons, there's no need to have any challenges in your life. You know, it's interesting. I keep saying interesting, but as you're saying this, more and more is coming up. You know, Chris and I have been on this mission the last month to really shift the energy in our household because we were noticing, you know, a lot of negativity. The kids were fighting quite a bit. Um, and then the things that they were saying to each other, were not the kinds of messages that we wanted to hear our kids speaking to each other. So we started to think about, you know, how are we talking to ourselves? What right. messages and, are and we saying? And you also have to be careful because, you know, again, there's entities out there all over the place and they follow you home and they come home or they're attached to people that come in your house. So I highly recommend that people learn how to sage their house on a regular basis so that they're clearing any negativity that's out of there. And a lot of people are empaths. And if you're an empath, no matter where you go, you're picking it up. It's like lint, okay? And you have to get that off of you or it's going to end up bringing you down as well. So this is where I recommend people either take a bath or a shower with sea salt and just rub it on your body first. So negative energy is positively charged. Sea salt is negatively charged. And when you put the two together, it automatically neutralizes all that negativity. No way. Check that no out. No way. Fun it's fact science. of the day. 
Science 101. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, June, I I will say, you know, I was nervous coming into this because of what I told you about, like, you know, talking with a psychic or medium. It was something that I was told to be afraid well, of. And the thing is, too, remember, there's a difference between psychics and psychic mediums. So I see and talk to dead people, okay? Um, there are good and bad and everything, just like there's good lawyers and there's lawyers that cheat, right? There's uh, accountants that are good and accountants that cheat. There are psychics that are good and there are psychics that have been trained to cheat, okay? They used to work the circuses. They call them gypsies. But you will never find a medium that is dishonest. And the reason for that is the angels and the guides on the other side will not work with you if you do not have a pure heart. Bottom line. Mm. So if you, anyone's going to go for a reading or something, always find a psychic medium. Well, June, we are so appreciative for you being such an open book and letting us ask questions that we've been afraid to ask of others. And I felt sometimes like a little kid, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> am I, is it okay? But you've made this so inviting and it just speaks to the kind of environment that you create for the the people that come to you. And so with that being said, I'm sure that we have a lot of listeners that have been really intrigued with what you've said today. How can people find you and connect with you to help them navigate whatever life journey they're on right now? So they can go to my website, juneedward.com. There's no S in there, juneedward.com. And the first book I would recommend everyone getting is A Night on the Other Side. That's everything I used to teach in psychic development and mediumship development. And it will teach you how to properly sage your house, how to meditate properly, how to use the sea salt, all of those things. And then there are links to all of my books on my website. There are lots of videos you can watch and listen to from students and from podcasts. There is a free webinar that everyone can sign up for and learn a little bit more about energy. And if they're intrigued and want more information on the Relationship Mastery Program, they can also sign up and have a, a personal one-on-one -on -one call with me to see if they're a good candidate for the program. And you can always schedule an appointment with me for an Akashic Record reading, which is your past life, to find out what's going on in this life, why it's happening, um, a regular reading or mediumship if there's somebody you want to talk to on the other side. Um, I do all kinds of different readings. I do destiny cards, which is uh, astrology and numerology combined. And then I'm on all the social medias except for TikTok. I'm on Facebook probably more than anything, but I am on all of them. Fantastic. Well, June, thank you so much. We're really excited for our listeners to be able to take advantage of your knowledge. We're definitely going to leave links to all of the references in our show notes. Any final word that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, there is, you know, the highest vibration of all is love. So spread it around, share it. If you want to raise your vibration real fast, laugh, love, have some enjoyment. That's the fastest way to raise your vibration. Oh, well, thank you so much, June. We wish you all the best. Thank you. You as well. Are you in the middle of wedding planning and feeling overwhelmed? There's no need to fret, my friend. Christine Smith Designs is here to rescue you. Offering wedding planning, coordination, and wedding floral design services, let us help relieve your stress and make your wedding day dreams a reality. Visit us at christinesmithdesigns.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E smithdesigns.com and request a free consultation. You'll be so glad you did. Well, that was a fantastic interview with June. And I felt, you know, I, 
I, that's like that little girl inside of me that didn't want to ask certain questions because I didn't want to sound disrespectful or dumb. But you know, part of going through that interview was, again, you're worrying, like, am I doing something that's going to, like, that people are going to view as not being Christian, quote unquote. You don't see the air quotes, everybody out there. But, you know, I really did appreciate how June was kind of reinforcing this concept of good and evil and guarding our minds and, um, you know, being aware of what is out in the environment, not opening yourself up to that. Then she said fifth dimension many times. And I'm thinking fifth dimension. So what's the fourth dimension? I don't know. She was just saying the fifth dimension is like. So two dimension is like a drawing, right? Like a piece of paper. That's two, two dimensional. Okay, but saying. you were talking different things. She's talking about like heaven and. I understand that. So three dimensional would be here, we're in here. Like this is all three dimensional. What's fourth dimensional? No, fourth, the fourth dimension, not fourth dimensional. That's where it comes from, right? No. I mean, I think what we will need to do is we'll need to uh, look at her book and her books. And um, I felt a lot more open to being able to ask those questions. I feel that you know sometimes when you write, when you grow up in such a guarded religious background, conservative background, you feel that you don't even have permission to question things because you don't want it to reflect negatively. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the case is I was, I've always been worried about like asking questions about things, but you know, you can sense when there's evil, like my mom has always talked about, she, if she has a name for it, she calls them these coonching spirits. They're like these, like, it's, yeah, it's just a, it's okay. a, no, it's, it's just a phrase. And, but she talks about these like negative spirits that like will surround or try and, you know, come into your household and things like that. And I think that's exactly what June was talking about is, you know, things in the environment, they, you know, negative energy, whatever you want to call it can gravitate towards us. And so, you know, in my mind, it's always been, you know, talking about my faith background, like guarding my heart and guarding my mind against that. And so, you know, whether it's through prayer, for some people it's meditation, uh, it's always like trying to clear those things out of my life. Now, when I was younger and I would have these experiences where I was tormented by, I'll just call them what they were, these evil spirits my mom and my grandma taught me, you know, specific prayers of like how you clear those things out of the environment. Because as June was saying, like darkness can't exist where there's light. And so like trying to constantly be like, have the light on, be the light and speak against those negative forces. But, you know, I've heard of people saging their houses before. And I guess I don't know what it is in sage that would keep something like that from I thought sage was a drink at Starbucks. I don't know. I mean Sage, that's matcha. Like, oh wow. Oh yeah. I thought it was like one of those teas they got over there. Sage flavored tea. I want the sage flavored drink with a hint of blueberry. There's no such thing, weirdo. Oh, okay. Well maybe I'm making that up. Yeah, you are making it up <laughs> and you're making light of, you know, somebody's profession. But I found it was very interesting. What did you find? Uh, I thought it was too. I thought it was wonderful. Now you use the term NDE, but you never explained what that is. So for those that were listening, 
What is an NDE? NDE is an acronym for near-death experience. Okay. That, so, that is official medical term when somebody, quote unquote, uh, lose like heartbeat is flat lines or, uh, you know, yeah. Or anybody that's been, been they said um, they, they clinically are considered dead. Near-death experience is what they actually, clinical term is what it's called for when they do bring them back after they shock them, revive them, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. That's the clinical term for it. And a lot of these NDEs, they all kind of describe from what I've heard on, you know, perusing YouTube videos and things like that. They all kind of say kind of the same thing. They talk about the light. They talk about so much love and this feeling of love. And, um, you know, but when you know, it's interesting, I did watch another video once where they actually took experiments where they were, um, measuring the brainwave activity for somebody who was slipping away, like through, I don't know how they got the permission to do that, but however it was, they showed light brain activity. But after the brain was clinically, you know, they were deceased, the brain activity for like a few minutes or a few seconds, whatever it was, spiked off the charts. Like, went wow. cra- yeah, crazy. And then it kind of, and then after it kind of faded down and faded away. But that was after they clinically were considered dead. Well, I thought it was kind of very fascinating too. So a lot of scientists are saying that during that time is when your brain is heavily active, maybe has something to do with the fact that it's trying to draw all it's, it's like basically like a, you know, like when you're on your computer and, or your battery, it's like depleting. It, or mm-hmm. It's going to like send the power to the most vital sections or whatever. Maybe that's what it's trying to do at the very last second. So it could be something. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not a doctor. I only play one on TV, so I don't know that. But I'm saying that's, that's your favorite line. <laughs> it's old. Hey, it works. It works for every profession. No, I'll tell you, that. It's like, it, I'm not a pilot. I only play one on TV. No, but it does lead me to wonder about a lot of different things. I mean, definitely, this interview with June has made me ask a lot more questions about you know situations where you know a person is in a situ- is in a dynamic where maybe they have um they're in a coma and they're not coming back or like a vegetative state and people say there's no brain activity well what happens in that situation there's this movie that it stars uh, mark ruffalo and reese witherspoon and she was in an accident and she's in a coma state but her spirit appears to this man um, as if she's an actual person. And he believes that she's like an actual person until he realizes other people don't see her. And she's trying to get him to like, she's trying to figure out why she's stuck in this specific state, but she doesn't even realize at that point that she's not fully alive. Like that she's comatose and it's like her spirit and her body have separated. I've always wondered, like, does that happen? And, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get an answer in this lifetime, but I think that what really stood out to me from June is this idea of, you know, just really living our life to its fullest and in a mindset of like doing no harm to others. Because, I mean, she talked about karma, karmic energy and things like that. And I'm a whole a like wholehearted believer of, you know, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you and being kind and yeah, compassionate. They call, it, they call it the golden rule overall. Right. Like it, whether you believe in whatever religion you believe in or not, 
the golden rule kind of goes over all humanity. Right. And so I think that just reinforced in my head what, you know, just live with integrity, treat others in a beautiful way where, you know, you're trying to provide love and light in the lives of others and don't like intentionally try to do any harm to other people. And I think, you know, that's, that's all that we can ask of each other. And, you know, if be you, kind, rewind, right, be kind, be kind. And if you have wronged someone, you know, do what you can to make amends before you don't have the opportunity to anymore, because right, I mean, yeah. if what she's saying is true, you're going to have to, you know, karma, it's like Taylor Swift says, karma is a, you know, she has a whole song about it. But anyways, you don't want to have to deal with it for eternity if you haven't dealt with it in this world. Yeah, basically, you know, um, you know, I don't hold a grudge. I don't hold a grudge and don't put people in a situation where you've perpetuated harm against them, I guess. So, you know, with that being said, we hope that this has been an insightful episode for you. We know it's been one of our longest ones, but we felt like it was, you know, especially with the topic, we wanted to go deep instead of wide. And so you know, give us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are about this episode and where can people find out more about us and about June? Yeah, you can go to our website, which is chrisandchristineshow.com. If you want to find out more about June, her website and all her links will be in the show notes of this very episode. Absolutely. And so thanks for listening in. We have so many more fabulous guests lined up for you this year, and we'll be back with you next, next week. week.